This is the Podswoggle Network, a podcast network with entertainment. Welcome back, couch potatoes and TV junkies. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picked Up. My name is Robert, and I'm sitting here, as always, with my good friend, former roommate, and co-host, Rich. Flip it up, flip it down, let's watch some TV. That's what we do here on Picked Up. We watch television, we talk about it, we use it as a jumping-off point for many hilarious and thoughtful conversations. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's about as succinctly as we can put it. I don't think that catchphrase I tried out is going to stick. At the beginning of the show. About flipping it up and flipping it down? Yeah. Don't so, be flippant. Flippant. Oh, really not even a joke so much as just bringing up that word exists. That's some wordplay. That's some wordplay. That's some Oscar Wilde-like wordplay right yeah. there. Yeah, I guess. I just bullshitted my way out of a week of week, <laughs> week of the week. So that's good. Well, hey there. Rich, what's going on? Uh, not too, too much. Just uh, been... Working, not in a coal mine, so that's always good. Just, you know, hashtag blessed to not be working in a coal mine, you know, working in an office and working on some other podcast stuff. That's excellent. Aside from that, uh, yeah, not too much. Just uh, got caught up on all that TV that I hadn't watched before when last time we were recorded. What about you? Well, I have been doing the same things, not working in a coal mine. I actually was out ill a couple of days, so I watched even more TV. Than I did last week, which was pretty incredible. I'm on a two-week run of probably the most TV I've watched in a very, very long time. You're on a bender, man. I am on a bender. Uh, I'm better now, both physically physically and mentally. So um, probably won't go back to watching that much television, but I hope to keep up with some new stuff as it comes out. Um, yeah, what did I watch? Watch a ton more. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh? hold on. Oh? What you watching? Thank you, Rich. <laughs> I watched... Another probably eight episodes of Twin Peaks, as, okay, which was fantastic. And I also watched pretty much the entire second season of Marin, Mark Marin's show on IFC. Yeah, um, I usually that's one of the shows that I just kind of wait wait for Netflix for. Um, but I know like the third season ended, so I'm sure it'll be on Netflix soon. What do you think about the second season of Marin? I really enjoyed it. Right. The I think you mentioned in the past possibly like some growth between season one and season two. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, we were actually just talking about this before we started recording, but I like Mark Marin a lot as just a personality and a person. Yeah. And I'm very happy that his show pulls uh, strongly from autobiographical ideas because I think he's very interesting. I mean, he's a, he was a comedian who was, you know, very selfish and very addicted to a lot of things and, I don't know, probably probably would even say himself, didn't really have everything banging on all cylinders till about over halfway through his life. Yeah. But now he does, he seems really content. Um, so I think that the series is able to pull a lot of really, really nice stories and stuff and entertaining yeah. stories from that. I agree. I, uh, you know, <laughs> he's probably, like if there's a ratio for this of, like like the personality and the person and everything that they produce that isn't what they mainly focus on, which is stand-up. Like, that's his thing still. Mm -hmm. Like, despite the success of the podcast, it still is all kind of to drive his stand-up career. Yeah. And, 
and I'll cop to this. I haven't really watched any of his most recent stand-up in the last decade, probably. Uh, but from what I remember seeing early on when I was just getting into stand-up, that guy was not for me. It could be very confrontational. Yeah. I mean, that was... And if you go back way early and watch like really early stuff from like the late 80s, he's very angry and very coked up. He's the first to admit, really coked up yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, I love it. I also watched... His special that came out about two or three years ago called Thinky Pain, mm -hmm. which is on Netflix. Very good stuff. Again, it was, you know, bordering that line between stand up and just kind of like a sit down special. Yeah. You know, Jermaine's just really good stand up. I don't know. But it was, it was super funny. And you can see a lot of the, a lot of similar thread lines in season two. A lot of relationship turmoil and a lot of sort of his, his growing exposure into industries after the podcast gets successful, you know, yeah. trying to negotiate deals and trying to see if this podcast can sort of be morphed into anything more than just him doing it out of his garage. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. A lot of great supporting casts. You get to see a lot of comedians on there too. I love that. Yeah. I love all the comedians, the guests and stuff like that that they have on there. I like that aspect of it. Yeah. It's cool. It's weird to me that that show is... Uh, a person that gets an EP credit on that show is Dennis Leary. Right. It seems like the most un-Leary show. And he's like on an episode two in the first season. It's just not very Dennis Leary to me. No, again, it's it, a very un-Leary move. It is. It's almost tame, but it's okay because you know it's coming after. It's just the calm after the storm. That was, again, the first like 40, 45 years of his life. Yeah. Which I think is what makes it even more... I, I honestly am more entertained seeing this. I wouldn't want to see Mark's former life, you know, from True. 20 to 40. I mean, though I'm sure it's full of crazy stories. I really just enjoy this, you know, the, the post-life. Yeah. Yeah. The... Oh, man. All right. All that shit's done. Mm. Fuck. Yeah. He is. I got to do the rest of this now. Yeah, he's like lovable. I don't know. Yeah. I bet Mark he's married... He's a never... lovable curmudgeon. Yeah. I don't know if he ever thought he'd be described that way, but that's definitely how I see him. Very lovable, old, crazy man. He's, yeah. Old, he's the old curmudgeon that will not blink twice at having sex with a 25-year-old. That's right. That is right. <laughs> yeah, man. So I watched that. That was very enjoyable. Um, how about you? So I watched a lot of Twin Peaks, which we can get to if you want. But we how can, about you? Oh, well... I don't. If I want to talk to anybody about Twin Peaks, it's not you. I know. <laughs> well, why don't we? Why don't we alternate for sure, just a moment? Sure, and, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I just was getting caught up on a lot of stuff. Uh, got caught up on the Muppets, which is still good. Um, there's some weird behind-the-scenes stuff going on with that show. Like I saw that it just. Uh, excuse me. Red Bull makes you gassy. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm a regular Red Bull drinker. We just had it in the fridge from a party we had like over two months ago now. I think I must have brought that. No, it Are was sure? uh, Spencer. Spencer, because he brought the vodka as well. So he brought Red Bull and vodka because Sp Spencer just started drinking in the past few years. So he doesn't know how to drink. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I left one at Tony's. That's okay. why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now we just have Red Bull in, in the fridge. So we just had a lot of Chinese food between the two of us. So I needed a pick me up. And I hear these things give you wings. Uh, is there a bigger discrepancy between like 
kind of a, a classy sort of like packaging and marketing and like everything else that they do. Like you look at the can, it's like, okay, yeah, those are like nice little bowls there or whatever. Those look like well artistically drawn. Yeah. And then every other piece of marketing that they have is just crap. Literally like skydiving from space. Yeah. And it is it is like the brand drink of like douchebags in college. Or like shitty cartoons for commercials. Yes, very weird, like inappropriate. Even for adults, they're inappropriate cartoons. <laughs> I don't like those Red Bull cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, got off on a weird tangent there. No problem. Uh, yeah, Muppets are going through some weird shit. Um, got the, the grinder. Uh, it's still it, it's proven to be a very interesting show. I'm I'm liking what's happening with it, and I'm liking Fred Savage as an actor. Nice. Yeah. He's just really good. Him, this this uh, last episode, um, obviously not this week, but the week before, uh, there was a lot of Fred Savage and the actress that plays his wife, uh, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, and they were fucking great together. They were demonstrating amazing chemistry, and I love that, and I hope it keeps doing that. It was awesome. Um, and then what else have I been watching? Uh, again, Fresh Off the Boat, Blackish, all my regular slate of sitcoms. Tuesday nights, pretty much, uh, you know, across the, the networks, doing pretty well. Uh, I started watching season two of The Nick. Ooh, dog. It doesn't, like, fail. If you want to watch something that's going to make you cringe, there's at least once an episode something in The Nick that makes you go like, Ew, ewy, uh, oh, put that nose back down. That sounds it's uh, intimidating. It's it is. It's intimidating, but it's like surrounded by really great acting and and to me, New York at its most interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like they're talking about like, yeah, we're gonna try this subway thing, and all the old people are like, oh, you're just gonna bury people. That's not gonna work. That's dumb. Is it on Showtime? It's on Cinemax. Cinemax. Yeah. Because it's like Cinemax is owned by HBO, and so like that's why season one is actually on HBO Go. Um, but like, yeah, it just fell into this weird like hole of just being on Cinemax. It's like, hey, let's put one of these really good shows on Cinemax, see what happens. Yeah, how does that happen? I, it, it's some weird like behind the scenes story. I don't even know. Because um, like it's even a little like too gruesome sometimes for HBO, I feel like. Uh, whereas HBO, it's like, you know, they don't shy away from, like, you know, violence or sex, but, like, it's a little bit more polished. Whereas, like, there's zero polish on the neck. Cool. Uh, it's it's still a dope-ass show. Um, and even at this point, I feel like Clive Owen could, like, leave the cast, and it'd be fine. I feel like it'd be still a fine show. Um you know, he plays a big part in it, but like, I feel like he's not as necessary this season. Are they continuing a a big story or something that they had in season one, or is this something that that I mean, it's such an interesting concept that yeah. I'm sure you could be almost like episodic with it, like you know. But are they doing a big storyline? Yeah, there are arcs, like, and okay. there's histories between characters and stuff like that. Like, even picking this season back up, I was playing a lot of mental catch up and like, oh wait, why is this person in jail again? What's the relationship here again? Why are they in San... Okay. All right. That's right. Because of this, this, and this, and this. That's why they're there. Gotcha. Yeah. There's a... It's it's pretty... It's... Yeah. It's pretty story heavy. Um, Fargo season two came back. 
uh, which has been also very, very good, very awesome, um, and just cool, fun as hell. Like, there's a lot of, like, it has heavy, weighty moments to it because there's a lot of, like, crime family, like, I'm trying to figure out the way to describe it. It's like these Midwestern, like, Dakota mafioso trucking families. Okay. And it's basically, it's a it's a mafia story. Uh, and it's set in the 80s or the 70s? 70s? Late 70s. And, but then it's also, like, you know, you have, like, the small town type. Like, it still has those elements of each Fargo story mm-hmm. that there are now. Of, like, hapless fool gets caught up in this bigger th- web. Um, and it's just great. Great performances across the board, man. Fucking everyone from Patrick Wilson to fucking Kirsten Dunst is in this show, and she's doing all right. Like just in general, uh, <laughs> she feels good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Word on the street, it's like she's doing all right. She's 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 liking this decision. Uh, Jesse Plemons, otherwise known as Albi- Albino Matt Damon, uh, fucking. Oh, um, is he the guy who was in The Master and in some of Breaking Bad? Yeah. The end? yeah. Okay. Uh, Brad Garrett. Fucking having a little bit of screen time, but crushing it. Same thing with Nick Offerman. Nice. Uh, I want more Nick Offerman in my everything. Yeah. Like, Offerman's only been in about, like, again, we're recording this on Saturday before all the shows happen, so I don't know if he's in this most recent episode, but he's, like, not nearly in it enough. And, like, not that he necessarily has a part to play, but I just want more of him. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's also a very interesting, um, uh, plot point that they're using in this season of Fargo, which I could see if it were to turn to some people off, it doesn't seem to be turning people off because they, they implement a couple of times. They've just sort of hinted at it. Not so much hinted at it in some of them. It's been very overt into some like X-Files-esque type of like elements okay uh some you know some lights in the sky and whatnot okay um and i feel like if you don't know this but like that part was taken from like an old news story of like this crime happening and someone reporting seeing like ufo lights or whatever so that's where that like comes from so they're just like putting that in there so it was like, if you don't know that, I could see, like, what are they doing with this? This is weird. Why are they doing this? Yeah, that's crazy. Really out of left field. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But it is pretty cool, actually. Man, I thought I was doing good, but you just, there's just so many shows to watch. There's I would love to too watch much. both Fargo and The Nick. There's too much. Ah. I, I highly recommend watching Fargo for sure, especially season, season one was also so good. Cause, like, it isn't just, like, the Nick can be really fucking taxing. Yeah. The Nick can just be heavy. There's no levity in that show yeah. whatsoever. Whereas Fargo, it's, you know, it's a, an amazing facsimile of Coen Brothers. And when the Coen brother, Brothers are at their best, they weave that humor and drama and violence together in, yeah. a, in a gorgeous way. And that's what the series is, too, even though it's not them doing it. Um, there is just too much TV though, man. Don't fault yourself. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Well, thank you. It's not your fault. I appreciate that. Uh, 
But there was also, uh, I also cranked out today, between last night and today, I watched all of the new Netflix original series from Aziz Ansari, Master of None. Yes. Um, Ten episodes, half hour show. Um, And it was damn good. It was damn good. Um, Basically think like, in the style of Louis, uh, less surrealism, much more straightforward, and just more about like relationships and dating. How's he playing him? Is he playing himself? Is he playing? He's playing a version of himself, the same way Louis is. Mm-hmm. Um, his best friend in it is played by uh, Eric Wareheim. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and oh. here's the thing: like, has been well documented on this show and elsewhere. I'm, I've never, I was never like a fan of Tim and Eric, um, and, and like as far as I got was like the Steve Brule stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, seeing him in it, and he's directed a lot of the episodes, too. I fucking love him. He's great. And you still see, like, flashes of, like, a lot of that sort of subversive stuff that I imagine was the intent for, for Tim and Eric. But, like, it's because it's in something else, it actually is subversive. And it's not just the whole thing. Look how subversive we're being. Right. Um, I have to go on record as saying that I am a... I'm a yeah. huge Tim and Eric fan. Yeah, I grew up like watching all that, and I do. I I'm very. I think just personally, I enjoy a lot of it. Of course, there's some shit that's just awful in there, but I'm a I'm a pretty big admirer. Yeah, well, uh, he was great in this, um, uh, and it's Aziz, and uh, his his uh, his parents in the show are actually played by his parents, and his dad is. Kind of amazing. <laughs> well, they're they're Indian, right? Yeah, they're but, they're. But then he grew up in South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. See, I always thought that was super interesting. Right. Like, that that combo right there. Yeah, and then um, playing his uh, romantic interest is Noel Wells, who was uh, on SNL a few seasons ago. She was um, really yeah. She was as on a cast member? as a cast member. Yeah. I am out of it, dude. People start telling me that people have been on SNL, and I'm like, I've yeah. never heard of that person. Yeah, uh, same here. It's like, oh yeah, Jenny Slate was on SNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Casey Wilson was on SNL. Jesus Christ, I guess I remember that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I do remember her because that was like when I was really getting back into SNL, and like it was like her first season, um, and she was on for like two seasons, and just kind of like. There just never really was anything for her. And I get it. Like, as far as she's not, nothing about her really like pops. And nothing about her really like pops on the show either, but she's good for the role. Okay. Yeah. It's just really, it's very well shot too. It's not necessarily very well acted either, but there's a lot of really fucking funny stuff. It's a Netflix original, right? Netflix original. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Todd Berry has a reoccurring role on it, H. John Benjamin has a reoccurring role on it. A lot of good stuff in there. I am so glad that the stand-ups are really getting their day in terms of just of media. You know? Yeah. They're all over the place. Speaking of which, I did not watch this, but they released a teaser trailer, I think, for a series called F is for Family. Okay. Which is going to be a cartoon on Netflix created by Bill Burr. Okay. And I am a huge Bill Burr fan. Uh, I would love to. I get. I'm He's sorry. gonna Never be mind. up here soon, isn't he? He actually was just he, up here. It was for Halloween. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so he was up here. 
huge fan. Think that that would be awesome to see. Yeah. Hope it uh, does well and goes along. Should have watched that. I think, I don't know, I got like old antiquated shitty technology. Anytime I try and watch certain things on either my old phone or my old computer or my weird Android tablet, like nothing ever works. <laughs> hey, man, we're just... We're just trying to get by here. Exactly. Um, what else have we watched? We both watched um, Spectre this past weekend. Yes, we did. The latest addition to the 007 uh, film canon. canon. And that was actually like the first Bond movie that I've seen as an adult. Which very much surprised me. I thought you just hadn't seen like the recent ones. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Richard, in all of his movie watching, just never got a lot of Bond growing up. A lot of that was, when I was growing up, it was the Brosnan movies. And like I was just too young to see Goldfinger. Not Goldfinger, Goldeneye. Sorry. Uh, and then after that, it was like Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough and like garbage, garbage, garbage. Yeah. And... My dad never really made it a priority for me to like see those movies. Like he made sure I saw Caddyshack. He made sure I saw Animal House. You know, movies like that. But the Bond movies, not so much. So I just never. Like I feel like that is a thing. That's if not all most of the time. That's how uh, you get introduced to Bond. Is your dad sit you down and you watch a Bond movie together. Oh, 100%. It's a very like tribal thing. It's like yeah. passed to people. So yeah. like he did that with me for the comedies, but not... I feel like the same thing happens or like, you know, with what type of comedy you're going to like latch on to. You know, if he had done the same thing with, you know, Monty Python and the Flying Circus or whatever, like I'd be much more into like that style of comedy. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. Instead, I'd, I want to, you know... Just fart all the time and talk about dicks, which is what all those comedies were about, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, the National Lampoon School. Yeah. If you will. Exactly. Yeah. Which came from Harvard. Yeah. So there you go. So basically, what I'm saying is, we all went to Harvard. We all went to Harvard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we're all very Harvard educated here, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spectre. Um, that you guys will probably start hearing reviews and seeing it. It's, it's kicking up a lot of dust. The word's starting to get out, and and you know, uh, well, Rich was was pretty fine with it. I didn't think it was a train wreck, but yeah, it was a good action movie to me. Having having seen Casino Royale and Skyfall, um, it was a big step backwards. It was a big one. Well, what about Quantum of Solace? Uh, I have not seen it, okay. uh, so fair enough. I cannot comment on that, but. Um, because from what I understand, everyone was pretty like hardcore meh across the board about Quantum of Solace as well. Yes, in a big way. It was. I heard that that got affected by the writer's strike back in like '08 or whenever yeah. it was. But Spectre is, for better or for worse, and mostly for worse, a way more similar to the Connery. Bond films than it is to Skyfall or Casino Royale. Yeah. So I can say that. So maybe go with like your dad, like or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like if you, if your favorite Bond film was made before 1980, then Spectre will fit right in. Yeah. And you'll just see it new and shot well and with great effects. Yeah. And Christoph Waltz. But if you if you were a fan of Skyfall and you were a fan of Casino Royale, 
I might just tell you to not see Spectre. Wow. It's a, I, I will say it's almost to that extent. I might just tell you to not see Wow. It. Yeah, dude. Damn. I know. I'm really coming out strong on it here, but. Well, don't worry, guys. You won't ever have to deal with that combination again. So, because Sam <laughs> Mendes, that was his last Bond movie. Okay, he's out. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Craig, as much as it may seem as though this was his last Bond movie, uh, I, guess, I guess he has to say, like, no. No, I'm sticking around. What makes you guys think this is my last one? Because he has to kind of say that. He has to say, especially like in like press junket stuff before the movie comes out. Like he can't be like, "Yeah, guys, this is my last one." So now you know what the ending's gonna be like. Well, did you see? He was getting very vocal about being pretty over it. Where's it? Oh, was it? Was you? Oh, it was, it was me and Spencer talking about it. He has been very vocal. Oh, he has been like, he hasn't said this is my last film, but he definitely. I mean, he really got into it. He got into it like he doesn't like how the portrayal of women is, and he he thinks that he'd rather. What did he say? He's like, I'd rather oh. something with glass than do another one. <laughs> and there aren't a lot of pleasurable things to do with glass. So. No, there's not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he's not wrong, especially about that portrayal of women thing. Oh yeah. Uh, as you and Spencer pointed out to me, like, uh, uh Madeline Swan, that that character was like the strongest written female character yeah for like a bond film yeah and even that she's still just uh you know i don't know yeah kind of a damsel in distress mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i don't know but i don't know any better i kind of like going into it just completely <laughs> ignorant that's the best that's that's why and actually <laughs> when we get to the show that that idea is going to come up again not that i don't know any better but the idea of of sort of perspective like is is kind of like my thesis statement for the show well do you want to go into it because i don't have any more shows or anything to talk yeah, about yeah we can talk about okay it. yeah so um and uh you know if you're still with us uh <laughs> what we do is we watch the pilot episode of a television sh series every week and that is our point of discussion and our point for jumping off and talking about the show what we liked what we didn't like ultimately whether we would pick it up which means whether we'd renew it uh, if we were in the, I don't know, I was going to say the pilot seat. That's not the word. But if we were, we're in the, the business. If we're in the business, we're in the biz. whether or not we'd make a full season order of this show. So our selection this week um, was revealed by Rich last week in the Elevator Pitch episode. And from 1993, yes, sir. it was the science fiction series Sequest starring Roy Schreider. Hell yeah. Who was, will forever just be one of the coolest dudes ever uh, for killing Jaws. Hell yeah. And one of the finest sequences that was ever, ever filmed, ever. Can't tell you how much I love Jaws. And for putting on a cabaret. That's right. That's right. And for uh, helping Gene Hackman in The French Connection. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And for manning the Sequest vessel. That's right. So yeah, um, this was Rich's selection. Rich, why, uh, why, why pick this? I was... Desperate for a show to pick this week. And I had like four or five different shows. I'm just like, yeah, that could work too. Oh, we kind of mentioned this last week. Oh, this would be a fun one. And then I was just scrolling through Netflix. and this Because I was also maybe going to just like hit the Netflix randomizer until I found something interesting as well. But it was down. It just wasn't working. So I'm like, fuck. Now I got to actually make a decision. God forbid. I have to be accountable for this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just scrolling, and then like that just popped up. I'm like, 
Fuck yeah, dog. Holy shit. I can't. Because I, I was just so brimming with curiosity. It was one of those things where it's just like, I remember loving this as a kid in 1993. Why I was watching this show? You're, you're a kid. If you're like nine years old. You shouldn't have any interest in uh, an hour-long drama on NBC at all, no matter what the content is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I remember fucking loving this show, fucking painting this as an art project for an art fair in elementary school, giving second place. That I love. What did you paint? It was just a... <laughs> it Basically, the shape of it was uh, the, the cloud gate, basically, the bean in Chicago. Uh-huh. Look that up. It was that shape. And then under... Like in an underwater setting, so there's like coral and like seaweed and, and shit and, and like, like ocean life all around, and uh, and and yeah, the thing itself was the the bean shape, the the vessel Sequest. The Sequest. And I just wrote Sequest on it, put portholes, colored it brown for no reason. Oh my god, I love this. And that's what it was. <laughs> that's amazing. I put like some bases in the portals. Oh. Portholes. I love this. Oil or watercolor? It was like a weird, like fluorescent. I remember this very specifically. Uh, it was like a weird, like fluorescent, like watercolor. But like, it was really, I couldn't. It had this like unique property to it, to where like it looked crannish as well. Oh wow! It was really weird. Well, um, that's obviously why yeah. you got as far as you did. I was, yeah. Cool. I mean, not, not taking anything away from you, but that's quite the medium to work in, <laughs> and the subject. Oh, I love it. Well, let me tell you this. Um, this is not the first time I heard of this show. I had never watched it, but uh, again, I really do like Roy Schreider. I actually probably think I probably found it through his IMDb, and um, I had also heard of this show. Uh, I'm very was very piqued by the idea of it. I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Um, this definitely seemed very much in the vein, or if not in the vein, just in the complete ripoff of Star Trek. And I never really, needless to say, realized that before because as a kid, I didn't know what Star Trek was. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I read the description for the the elevator pitch, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this and this and this is fucking Star Trek. Oh, it's, Star Trek. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Star Trek. There's no aliens. There's more dolphins. And that's about it. I mean, you can get that pitch, though. Like, I can 100% see why this was oh, greenlit. Because it's an easy pitch. The easy pitch is definitely... Okay, so you got Next Generations doing gangbusters. Yeah. Um, this early 90s period was a very, like, the emergence of, like, eco-consciousness. Yes. So you see it in Captain Planet. Uh-huh. You see it in children's programming and other, you know, um, and other, you know, dramas and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. So you sit down and you're just like, all right, here's the idea for the show. It was also... This is one of the executive producers on the show was Steven Spielberg, which explains why they were able to get Roy Scheider on the show. Mm-hmm. But whoever's pitching this, whoever's the creator of the show, you just see him sitting down just going like, all right, so basically what we have here, imagine Star Trek, and that's out in space, right? What do we know less than about space? Our own oceans. It's Star Trek in the ocean. <laughs> that's exactly... What it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And I just pitched that to you, and you just bought it. You're just like, shit. I did. Yeah. You're right. We do know less about our own oceans than we do about space. Yeah. 
So, which um, that's kind of fucking terrifying, right? Oh, absolutely. They say we've mapped more of the moon than we have of the ocean floor. That's horrifying to me. That's always been terrifying to me. One day, the Terra, s- one day, buying. the uh, the sea will return and claim us. I believe it. We're from Florida. We know that for a fact. Yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> it most certainly will very soon. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. This episode. This was actually. I just watched the the first first episode. The pilot was split up in two episodes, forty four minutes each, something like that. Yeah. Um, did you watch both episodes or just the first? I one? did not. I had to go do something after the the first episode. You mean to tell me, you had priorities above watching the second episode of nineteen ninety three's Sequest? There were uh, Sequest DSV. DSV. There were prior engagements I had to to attend to. Uh, although I had an idea where it was going. Uh, I think he may have taken control of that ship. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> I mean, I do still intend on watching the second part of that two-part episode. So basically, long and short of it, first five minutes, I have no fucking clue what's going on. Yeah. Did you have any clue, like, what anyone was talking about? Uh, no. I, it only, only when it got to the real pivotal moment of those five minutes when they're like, all right, time to start nuclear war. And then someone's like, yo, dude, you're out of here. Like, that was the, <laughs> that was the prologue, was yeah. basically in this environment. Um, there's this territorialness between these, you know, these different nations. Yeah. And basically, it's, it's going to be like Cuban Missile Crisis underwater. Yeah. And someone's getting ready to fucking pull the trigger, this captain of the Sequest. And then second in command's like, yo, look, no, I'm not going to let you nuke these people. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was a, it was a fun way... Fun way to start the series. <laughs> there are a lot of stakes. But like up until that moment, there's yeah, just a lot no of gobbledygook idea. of like just babble. The 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 Sea Confederation and mm-hmm. you know, right. like we're, we're breaking blah 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 treaty yeah. and, and all this stuff. Some very good CGI. I loved that so much. Very good like computer <laughs> like your home computer no, grade. It was like that classic nineteen ninety-three fucking DOS like like reboot CD-ROM style yeah <laughs> graphics and i oh, loved it it was it was amazing did you ever do you, are you familiar with reboot the the no the cartoon series reboot oh man i think i think i may have just found one of our next yeah picks. okay yeah uh reboot was a cartoon show about the world inside a computer um and it's just it's basically a society where um the society, they're like sprites, and the user comes and challenges them to games, and they have to play against the user. And the thing was, it was all um, like computer animated. Yeah. So that's that cool. Was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Anyways, this was very reminiscent of of that. Uh, it looked uh, it looked good. It could look yeah. way shittier, to, yeah. to be honest. I rewatching the show, I completely understand what brought me in as a kid. Yes. Like cool graphics. Uh, cool sets, uh, a lot of tropical atmospheres. Yes. Spent a lot of time like in the Caribbean, in Jamaica, whenever they are above water. Right. Uh, and a fucking dolphin. Like, I'm in. And then that dolphin can, t- like, not talk, but they, like... They got a translator for the dolphin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, all right. So, we go through all the, the crap at the beginning, and this one captain, she almost pulls the trigger... And then she stopped. And then it cuts to like 13 months later. 
Um, like all like world peace has been established basically, or at least like ocean peace has been established, and all the nations are on board on this. What is it? The E or the the U. The UEO? UEO or EUO or something like that. It's like that. the United Earth's Oceans or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and they'll basically like absorb like the Navy and stuff like that too. And a lot of those like military uniforms, like they were going for sort of like a futuristic look because this takes place in, I believe according to the Wikipedia article, 2018. Um, so like I can kind of see like some of those uniforms like kind of being on trajectory like with yeah. some of those like collars like i feel like i've seen some like high fashion things with like those kind of collars or something yeah it's like oh that wasn't far off now was it uh here's something i like to criticize are are shows that like to place the, uh, uh the setting in the future but they don't go out far enough right they completely undershoot what the future is gonna be oh yeah like, I understand you might just be doing it for, like, technological reasons. Like, oh, we wouldn't have the resources to create the technology that they would have. But, like, fuck it, man. Just, you can make it up because it's going to be so far away that none of us are ever going to see that date. Right. You know? Fatal Flaw with Back to the Future too, man. Everyone, you know, Pepsi finally got off their ass and made that fucking, that bottle. Yes, they did. <laughs> you know? But, like, you try to tell me Nike hasn't been working on those self- tying shoes they have you just can't do it mm -mm. same thing with the hoverboards man it's just, you just can't do it hoverboard flying car all that uh i was just thinking in it this is a very tangential thought but it's actually 100 percent related uh in in the rap song bad idea to say the year bad idea to say the year in a rap song yeah i was thinking of uh was recently listening to Lil kim's the jump off great song uh end of the song <laughs> Something, blah, 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 blah. 2000 fucking three. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Song's fucking 12 years old. Yeah. You, know? you just immediately like nope. dated yourself so hard. Bad move. Don't yeah. don't put your TV series anywhere within 50 years, the current day. Yeah. Or date. And then don't don't say the, I uh, don't give the year in a rap song. Come on, guys. Fucking rules to live by right Rules there. to live by. So, uh, um, yeah. So all that shit goes down. The Sea Quest is being basically transformed from a military vessel to a scientific research vessel. Uh, and the head of, you know, this EUO or whatever, like, goes to, like, all right, we got to get the right guy to man this vessel. Yes. Who's the right guy? This dude that I was in the Navy with, Roy Scheider. So they go, because he's... <laughs> That's basically, like, they, they say a lot of stuff about, oh, he's the man. Yeah. And he's, like, a, I guess a brilliant scientist. But they never really do say why it should be him. It's basically what Rich said. It's like, oh, I knew this guy. Let's get him. <laughs> it was really not like, I mean, that said, they do a good job of establishing the weight associated with his name. Like when he does eventually come aboard the Sequest and like anyone sees like his badge. They all, first of all, everyone treats him like garbage. Yeah, everyone <laughs> tells him to get the fuck off the boat. And then they get out of my fucking face you piece of shit what are you doing here get out of my seat i will shove my foot down your fucking throat yeah. where's where's your credentials even yeah. and he's like like brammer i'm nathan brammer or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, like oh. uh well it is a privilege uh to have you upon uh the sequest 
sir. Oh, <sighs> yeah, oh, yeah. And they just like melt immediately. They're like, I oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it's like, were faces not a thing in the past 20 years? Yeah. I, I don't know. And it's like, they, they don't know I'm on site, but it is like, and like, I don't know, man. It's like this guy invented like, they're, they're reacting to him like he's Steve Jobs. Well, he's he like, oh, did, I'm fucking Steve Jobs. He did design the Sequest. Yes. Yes, he so, did. So like, there is that. Like, this is like the end all be all vessel. On yeah, Earth. this is like his big. You know, what? this is a simple thing, but I liked how big this ship is. Hell yeah! In the first, in the prologue, you sort of see like these ships. And you're like, oh, yeah. I met. Oh, that might be a big ship. And then you see the sequest, and it is like a hundred times the size of the next yeah. biggest thing. It's like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, but so they got to go get him, and he's like just run off to the islands, and he's just like chilling in a hut, uh, swimming with his dolphin Darwin. Uh, like still doing science stuff because like in his house there's nothing but gadgets and doodads. Yeah, it's like his hut, his hut, which like doesn't have like it's like three walls. Yeah, but then it's got all these like you know old IBM computers. Things going beep and boop. And then uh, so it's like all right, well they talk him into like, well just come take a look at the thing. Yeah, you, know, you spent all this time making or like designing it. Come take a look at it. Yeah, and then eventually like they get him on board. So many Star Trek, like there's on the bridge, and you know you have your villains and all that stuff. It's great. It, I love it. So I much. I liked uh, for a show. I felt like in that vein of Star Trek, there was a good effort at diversity. You know, yeah. both like gender wise and racially. So that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Again, really like this that. is a carbon copy of especially Next Generation. Yeah, and this episode was mainly just. Getting to know you, like yeah, just walking he, around the boat, walking around meeting people. Um, you know, they bring his dolphin abo- uh, aboard because the Sequest is so big, uh, and it was designed for uh, having an onboard dolphin. And then uh, the fucking Wes Anderson, thanks for jocking that idea did, in the Life Aquatic. Did he really? You think he's? Everyone thinks he's so goddamn original. Yeah, and he's just ripping off Sequest. Thanks a lot, Wes mm. Anderson. Ooh. So, as if I needed any more reason. Right. Any more reason. Uh, so, yeah. And then when you see that uh, Darwin has been brought aboard the Sequest, uh, they have the, the tech whiz kid there, played by Jonathan Brandis, um, who, like, invented the, like, translator to translate dolphin speak. Uh, so, episode one, you're going to have a talking dolphin every fucking episode. As a kid, I'm fucking in. Yes. And not only that, the kid that invented this, what was he wearing? He was wearing a Florida Marlins jersey. Hell yeah, he was. I because actually, what year was this? <laughs> Turn around, look at that 1993, poster. baby. Inaugural <laughs> year. I was thinking about that. I was thinking like, by this time, like that is like a vintage throwback. Yeah. That, it is. It came true. That's the it, throwback Marlins it is. jersey. It now. is. <laughs> Except, did you see what was written on the back of the jersey? And it wasn't, like, oh, no. shown. There wasn't a shot of what was shown there. It was just an over-the-shoulder shot. And you could see on the back of the jersey just World Champs 2010. Wow. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Dude, you know, it's funny. When I was watching this, I, I had to admit, I wasn't glued to the couch. But um, I was listening. I was in the kitchen. And since I live in a studio, that's the same thing as being in my living room. <laughs> so I was watching... 
but I, then I just turned and glanced, and right before the scene cut, that's when I saw he was wearing it. Yeah. And I had a moment of like, was he wearing a Marlins jersey? Hell yeah, he was. Hell yeah, dog. Which was, that was awesome. I will say, Talking Dolphin, a uh, little annoyed by the voice, because it's, it's the oh, worst voice ever. Yeah, it's horrible. And like, he speaks like, a, like an idiot. Yeah, like a, like a child. They yeah. should get like a real, so- oh, they should have gotten Lauren Bacall to do the voice. Like a real sultry, <laughs> like, femme fatale. Oh, that would be awesome. Like, dolphin swim. <laughs> I, I don't know. Something weird. That'd be fun, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so good. So yeah. fucking great. And um, so, uh, yeah. And th- then, like, basically, like, halfway through the episode, you get your big bads established. Yes. Mm-hmm. Both of which are, are big bads in Twin Peaks. Michael Parks? Both of those. Uh... Eric DeRay, the, and then the we're talking about the uh, the entrepreneur who has like the resource. The German guy, right? Yes. Yeah, that's Michael Parks. Yes, Michael Parks. Yeah. And then the the ponytail guy, Eric DeRay. Okay. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them are bad guys. Twitter. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because uh, I was thinking more so as far as the other big bad being the captain from earlier. Yes. That like one lost bully- all her shit, and right. so he gets her, and he's like, uh, Sequest is fucking up my business. Um, you know, will you fuck up the sequest? She's like, yeah, dog. Yeah, of course. They fired me. And I was like, well, because you're crazy. Uh, but yeah, Michael Parks is fucking. I had no idea he was in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I know him from like Tarantino stuff, Robert Rodriguez stuff, and then later on he sort of became a big like Kevin Smith guy. Um, he was the the preacher in Red State. Um, and he was the guy in Tusk as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Michael Parks is really, really fucking good. Um, and I was excited to see him in this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was also cool just like that, to, to, to break off for a second here and just talk about like the performances. Like, like dudes like Michael Parks. And, and it was just good to see just like Roy Scheider just like, just like, yeah, he's that's a professional actor. On the last uh, Blank Slate, we, t- we, we talked about like, you know, that's a team that has some professional basketball players on it. Yep. Those are some professional basketball players. And it's like, that dude's a professional actor, man. And he's just like, I don't even know what effort level he's putting in, but he's like, <laughs> right. He's just got that charisma and that watchability to him. It's like, I can't, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm invested. Now, how many decades has a guy been doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it too. I think it says a lot that like, I mean, if it was Spielberg or whatever, but at least to the point that a professional like Roy Schreider was like, yes, I will do this. This isn't just a complete bad idea. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we can make this work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then eventually that's where sort of like things come to a head and like the, those bad guys start to try to like attack some underwater colony or something. I don't know. All I know is like there's 50 families or something on it. That's all I heard. Um Sequest gets the distress signal, and it's like, well, we got to go save these people. What are we going to do? Hey, you have experience with this. And he's like, ah, oh, I can't do that. I'm, I'm tired. I'm not even supposed to, because the ship took off without him knowing. Right. Yep. Um, so, like, it left off on the will he, won't he assume control and become captain of the Sequest, which I think he does. I'm going to wager that he does. <laughs> Although, how would that look? Great with that be. Like, no. Yeah. I no. Go do what you gotta do. But as soon as we're done, you gotta bring me back home. 
and that's it. You will never see me again. They do the whole series. He's just like, still waiting to go home. Still not helping. <laughs> it's like they always just cut to him. He's just like reading the paper in his, you know, in his whatever, his cabin. Yeah. Nope. Um, some other interesting things, uh, just kind of like tonal things and just like the way they described certain entities. Because uh, they were talking about sort of like how Sequest was like funded and like what sort of comprised it all. I would love to see if this plays into anything a little bit more down the road, but this also just may have had to do with like the culture and the feeling of things in 1993 of it seemed like there was this distrust of like government and there was like, all right, well, this is for, this is financed by like corporations and investors. Okay. I feel better about that. Whereas I feel like today you make that and that's the other way around. Uh, maybe if not the other way around, it at least like isn't trusting either of them. Right. It's nobody. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's just a seed that they're planting or if that's just like what it was. Yeah, that's a good observation. I think that it is, it's a lot, you know, so you're coming off of like the end of the Cold War and for the first time really thinking that you could possibly be headed toward like a one world government. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's like another cool thing about this, this is kind of like something they did in Firefly is, um, there, there's a scene where they're they're doing instructions to the crew over the PA system or whatever, and then they repeat them in what I can only assume is Mandarin. Some, I think, just some Chinese language, some Asian yeah. language. So a recognition of that. Um, yeah, things didn't. We were talking about this just before the podcast too. I swear we're we're starting to slide back. Like we're not nearly as optimistic as I think we were even. 10, 15 years ago. I mean, we're getting back to like a 70s, 80s point of like, the government sucks. Corporations, they suck. You know? Yeah. World back to back to Cold War superpowers type style deal. I think there's an ebb and flow to those kind of things. I think it just kind of has to do with like sort of the, the, the social temperature at the time. Like, because you can kind of see that again, sort of like as a wave throughout history. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we're just like in that wave right now, sort of like that low point. And then, you know, like maybe some of these startups that have good intentions, like usurp some of these other bigger corporations and they have good intentions or whatever, who knows, yeah. you know? Um, but uh, that's, and you know, maybe they'll bring back Sequest. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Um, I was going to say something else. What is so ultimately, this, this was my feeling about this show. Um, I like this show a lot. I mean, here's, okay. It's 1993. Yeah. You don't have a cell phone. You don't have the internet. Uh-huh. You have a television. And let's say it's, it's Friday night and you're lame. You're not going to any parties. You're not doing anything. And Sequest comes on TV. Am I watching Sequest? A hundred fucking percent. A hundred percent. Or you're like too young to go out and party and do right. shit like that. So, and to bring it back to, all right, now I forget what inspired me uh, from what we were talking about earlier. It's just a question of like, this. Sh I don't know if this show would make it today 
but it's just because there's just too much. There's just too many possibilities. You know what it felt like volume. watching it? Mm-hmm. Like there were a few like cutscenes, not even like lines given or performances or anything like that, but just like uh, a shot of people like manning the board or doing some sort of control, and it felt like a sci-fi show, like a, a sci-fi channel show. Yeah. Like that's I could see this show being on Sci-Fi Channel mm-hmm. for, and running for like five seasons. I could totally see that today. I could totally see that. I could totally see that today. I would not watch it today. Oh no no no! I yeah, to- I agree. So that's that's like this weird thing, and like we yeah. encounter this all the time. But that's what's making success and art and all these things in this current landscape so interesting because we're dealing with like. There are more options than ever. Well, and that's why I think like it would have a decent run on sci-fi because it would that would be its audience mm-hmm. and like no further, and it wouldn't need that much of a budget. Like it would do exactly what it was destined to do for that channel, for that audience, for that price, for that time. Yeah. Whereas like if NBC were to try to reboot this today, they would pour way too much money into it mm-hmm. and would try to grab way too big of an audience yes and it's just not for everybody yes you know there's a reason why for all these years star trek was a syndicated show like it was like the next generation wasn't like an abc or a cbs or a whatever show it was a syndicated show Mm -hmm. you know it's just what it was meant to be and it still has a large loyal following but you know it's not Big enough for prime time, mm-hmm. as it were, or like it wouldn't attract live viewers enough for prime time anyway. Yeah, you have to. The age of of something appealing to everybody is gone. Is done. It's like, so far and gone. Never gonna what get do, another. I love this. Lucy. I'm just curious. Like What's up? What is? What do ratings mean to you today? What do ratings mean to me? Yeah. Like what? Like. Like, should they even be in the conversation? Yeah, nothing. No. Uh, because uh, ratings ratings is traditionally defined, like viewership is becoming moot because, because, it, because it's all based on size. Okay, viewership is still important, but it's, it's the intensity and passion of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think Walking Dead is the closest we've come to a big viewership that is rabid. Yeah. Whereas like a, another show, like what's a tiny show? Uh, There's smaller viewerships that are just as rabid. Like exact. people fucking loved Hannibal apparently. Right. But like something like that. A, a a small percentage of the same people watched or like of the number of people watched Hannibal that, that watched Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's a metric that is increasingly not meaning as much. Yeah, just, because of the dwindling numbers, like you can't at a certain point you have to figure out like what's the next metric. Yeah, but deep. Uh, I was about to what say, does DSV stand for? Deep C. I don't know. I was I was just about to call it like Deep C nine. <laughs> I think I like made that mistake on the the elevator pitch too, but uh, yeah, I think it does stand for Deep Sea Vessel. If I had to guess. Later on, they do change the name of the show to C Lab Twenty Thirty Two or something like that. No way. Not C Lab. Not uh, C Quest. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that's because like, that's another show. Sorry, uh, like, I'm no tired. Way. But they do change it to C Quest Twenty Thirty Two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why. 
I do Does not it know take why. place in 2032? Well, no, it takes place in, in 2018. 2018. Are you sure? So I guess they like, I don't know if they like just skip ahead until then. jumped forward? I don't know. Um, Yeah, this show was cool. Yeah. It was a cool well, show. That's it, though. That's it. Yeah, it was cool. You know what you cool. need? Bullet points. You got your Roy Schreider. You got a, some good attempts at diversity and, you know, gender equality, things like that. It, as far as, you know, a 90s television show. You have a, a formula, you know, it's kind of proven. Even if it's a little copy-pasted, it's proven. You know, it works. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But again, it's just something that it is, it would not be a major network thing today. It could yeah. only survive today as a niche, niche yeah. thing. So let me ask you, okay, one more quick question before yeah. we wrap up. So what, what elements attract a niche audience? Is it like, what, what is it in a show? Is it performers? Is it ideas? Is it like, like something that's jumped in my mind, like let's say True Blood. Like let's say True Blood and like I know that that had a massive following because of how sort of like erotic it was and I think a lot of people thought it was very sexy and they, you know, were just excited about it and the supernatural element or whatever. But it's like, so you have a niche audience. Um, so what, like, what exactly is attracting them? You know, like. Uh, that's a that's a really great question. Um, I feel like the easy and probably misunderstood, incorrect answer would be genre. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you like the more specific. I, I think if you want to break it down, the more specific you get with a genre, like that's really what breaks it down. I mean, that's kind of what defines niche is just like a very specific, small subsection of a larger thing. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's usually, yeah, kind of like what I find. Like, you know. Could we say just specificity at all? Like yeah. specificity. Yeah. Because I feel like, so uh, uh, take science fiction, a broad idea of science fiction. Yeah. And you think of something that's not niche about science fiction, Star Wars. Uh, but you think of like something similar, but like had a lot more maybe like nuance and and kind of uh, uh, you know not nearly obviously as large of, of of popularity, but like still within that small group of people evokes also a lot of emotion. Like like you mentioned before, Firefly or uh, uh, yeah, Firefly. Right. So you've gone from science fiction. To like space science fiction, to well, like even Western then, space science fiction. Yeah, even then, just like it was, uh, you have science fiction and just like you know Star Wars being the general science fiction. Yeah. Uh, so like, let's take Star Wars and let's give it like like you said, like that Western type feel mm -hmm. to it or whatever. So you're just like you know not as not that that's what they were going into it or not that, that what's that. This is, but like that's a, I think that's a, a decent example of it is like just sort of maybe taking a cross section of two popular things, and if you do it well, it's not gonna. I don't know. It's it's really hard because if you want to take that approach, then like all right, well that was kind of Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah. Um, and that's like massively that's popular. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it just kind of breaks down into like nuance and just kind of like how. I don't know, because it still has to be good, to you. you know? Yes, it does. It does still have to be good. Yeah. Let me propose something to you. Look, what if, what if Sequest was everything that it was, but it was just really steampunk, too? 
Like, what if, like, everything was, like, production design dressed as, like, super steampunk? Yeah. And this is half a joke, but half, like, a serious (laughs) idea when it comes to, like, again, like we talked about, like, it's got to be good. And and ultimately, every successful thing is, like, it's kind of already been done, you know? So it's, like, it's not like originality... It's almost like specificity is beating originality uh, a little bit, you know, because you can go over some of the same things, but like with the ways you make it different and tweak mm-hmm. it. Again, True Blood is vampires. Yeah. But it's sexy vampires. Right. And then like, um, like what, like I was a, a friend of mine recently told me about this show called I Zombie. Um, same friend at work? Uh, no, no. Somebody oh, different. Okay. My friend Steph. And she, uh, so it was like zombies, but now you're getting to like, not funny zombies, but more just like, what if, you know, and then your specific scenario. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because, like, that's the thing. Like, there's even, like, niche, like, you know, like, superheroes and stuff. Sure. Like, you know, that have a very passionate audience, but obviously not as big as a Superman, Batman, or anything else. Right. You know, like, what makes them, what makes that, that? Yeah. You know? It's fascinating. And I feel like there probably hasn't, I don't know. I, I, there's no research on it because, like, it's there might not be able to. Maybe not. Because art mean, is art, you know. Yeah. Like trying to to figure out why something is something like that's impossible to pin down because it's a fluid idea. It's a fluid motion, you know. There are these flowers behind Rich right now, and it's just like <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> It's like over Rich's shoulder, I can see this bouquet of flowers. And Rich, Rich but, is just art is art. But that's the thing, though, is <laughs> is if you're a studio executive, it is your job to try to figure out right, this is what a- is going to give us the best chance of making money or yeah. at least staying a network. Yeah, this is art meeting commerce, where yeah. it's like you do need to be able to back up a decision and make a decision yeah. being like, yo, we need this money. Right. That's why I could see, like, having a talking dolphin on the show, like, we'll grab the kids. And guess what? It grabbed me. That's true. You know? That's true. That's an idea that I'd say, oh, that's dumb. But then it's like, you know what? That's going to get little kids' attention. Yeah. That's so, true. It, like, it all, oh, God, what a horrible industry. End of podcast. We're done. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Would you pick this show? Up, Absolutely. I... Uh, I'm getting a little bit backed up on the shows that I've picked up that I actually do need to keep watching, a la Sherlock. Um, it's another show that I wish I, I wish they weren't an hour and a fucking half long every time. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, no, I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely pick the show up. I would too. I just like it. I it's very nostalgic. It's uh, close to Star Tre- Star Trek Next Generation and Roy Schreider. Yeah, please let please let there be like Captain. We have a great white, like, office, like <laughs> right? a school. Of the, like, please give me a Jaws tribute episode. <laughs> I love the, oh. the first shot of him in this show is him in the water, just splashing around with a dolphin. Yeah. Where, yeah, like that's just a cute little, like, even if it wasn't meant to be, it's a cute little, yeah, as we know him historically as Chief Brody, hated the water. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's the only, the only uh, like, note I'd give would be, like, Again, in our you know our idea of uh, being driven by specificity, it's like this is about the sea. You know, this is about like talk about that shit. Shit, you and I have grown. You know, Florida has a really lovely, distinct culture. You know, and a lot mm-hmm. of it's based around the beach and water and the whole you know 
kind of, you know, whether it's, you know, a real authentic, what's it like Marjorie Rollins type, or if it's just like a fun fucking Jimmy Buffett type yeah. personality, you know, so that's like, I hope that there's like, there's rooms on the sequest that are decorated like a cabana or something. <laughs> like you know what I mean? The Tiki Hut room? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is all about the ocean. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, great. You're welcome, everybody. That is, thanks a lot to Rich for picking out Sequest for oh. us for this week's show. I think that was just fantastic. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. You know that the show is, uh, is made possible by listeners like you, you know? Um, you are sounding board and our audience and our supporters, so always keep that in mind. We love to hear from you guys. As Rich likes to say, we like to make this endeavor less of a monologue and more of a dialogue with you guys. So there's always a number of ways that you can get in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook by searching Picked Up Podcasts. If you ever need to send us an email, you can email us at pickeduppodcasts at gmail.com. Or our favorite way, if you would like to tweet at us, you can tweet us at Picked Up Pod. If you have a suggestion for a show you'd like us to watch, there's a little bit of a process that you need to go through. So, Rich, would you actually like to tell us about that? Yeah, just uh, head on over to our Facebook page and leave that uh, suggestion there uh, on uh, Picked Up Podcast. Search that on Facebook. And then head on over to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Uh, be as honest as possible, and whatever you write, uh, I'll, I'll read it if you like. Uh, read it on air. I'll, I will read whatever you write. Whatever you write. That's a big deal, everybody. That's a lot of... No, that's a lot of power you're wielding. Yeah. You can make me say some heinous shit. Just saying. Uh, but you can't curse, because, or at least on iTunes reviews, you can't curse. Um, and if you leave a review anywhere else, uh, just let me know. Uh, tag either Picked Up Pod or Rich Cami on Twitter, and um, and uh, I'll be able to see it. Uh, just let me know where it is. Um, and then your show will be in the running for uh, to be watched. Yeah, for the selection process. Yeah, so I think that about does it for us. So, again, for myself, Robert, for my intrepid co-host, Rich, thank you so mm. much for listening to Picked Up. Keep your dial tuned to awesome. Awesome. Keep it tuned to awesome. I got a Facebook message from Mullet saying, yo, I'm drunk at Universal with Sam and 12 people over the age of 50. What you doing? A.K.A. talk to me. This has been a Podswoggle Network production. Visit Podswoggle.com for more of that sweet, sweet entertainment. Finishing up. A picked up with Robert. And we'll record his response. Okay. Live this on is the important. podcast. Yes, it's coming. Uh, no matter what he says. Is this a text or a Facebook a message? A Facebook message. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why he's not. Yeah. Just texting me. There's something very particular about a Facebook message. Yeah. I'll never initiate a Facebook message on my phone. Like, I'll initiate a Facebook message if I'm on Facebook, like on my computer. Sure. And it's like, I'm just going to, you know, ping this person. I'll respond to a Facebook message on my phone because that's where I'll get it. Uh, but if I'm on my phone, I'm going to reach out to somebody. I'm going to text them. That is a very, very inefficient way to get in touch with me in, in terms of, like, Facebook I hate, message? I hate responding to Facebook message. Or I hate getting like multiple yeah. notifications as other people talk. Yeah. And I'll just like, I'll look at it and forget about it. Whereas like a text, like I'm pretty good about text. 
LOL, no worries. You guidos kill it. Love and meatballs to you both. I'm offended. Can we send him the, the photo of Paul George? Yes. <laughs> you want to do, do it? it. Like my phone. 